0: I see it's by the clock on the wall there it's 10 after nine so we're going to get going here uh it's good to see everybody here this morning and uh, we're going to change the order of worship just a little bit we're going to move and starting today and it's going to be changed in the bulletin from then on we're going to meet move the sharing joys and concerns right after the announcements so uh get that out of the way, and then uh, we can go from there. We'll have uh, this section, which I'm speaking on now, which is the announcements, Uh, and we will have uh, our wave time, and then we'll go right into sharing joys and concerns. Okay. I don't think there's any announcements that we have to relay. Remember, Easter is coming up, so uh, we're going to celebrate Easter. And uh, we're going to have communion on Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday, excuse me, Palm Sunday. So uh, we'll do it at that time. Okay. Okay. Let's do our joys and concerns, and then after joys and concerns, we'll pick up with the first hymn. Okay, let me get my mask on here. Christine, do you have any updates that you need to give? Okay, you do, you generally do.
1: I'd like to ask for prayer for the Violet Fry family. Violet, she was our neighbor and friend, and she had uh, moved a couple of years ago and went into Masonic Village, and she's been in there for like two years, I think, and uh, she had lost part of her one leg under below the knee, and had a, but had a wonderful attitude and a great faith, this woman. A wonderful lady. And she passed away this th- Thursday, and her son called us, and to let us know. They're having services next Tuesday at Sheets Funeral Home in Mount Joy. And uh, some of us are going. And Joyce is also a very good friend, Joyce Taylor. So we were just discussing that this morning about going, you know. But I'd just like to ask prayer for that family, you know. And um, last night, uh, Karen Bechtel called me and told me that her mother-in-law, Cordia Bechtel, she came home yesterday to her own home uh, it's partly good. Probably good. <laughs> Probably good for her, but it's going to be, they're going to have home health care. I don't know the name of it or anything. She just said a home health care that's going to help over the weekend, but weekdays, Monday through Friday, Karen's going to be there. Someone has to be this lady 24-7. She cannot be alone. Okay. And then her husband is going to come. He's gonna, after work and whatnot, and supper, and he'll stay part of the evening and overnight with her. I don't know. They're working, they're gonna try their best to take care of their at home and see how it goes. Karen said, We'll try it, and worked, we worked out a whole schedule between this and the home health care and whatnot and see how this goes. And then if it doesn't, then they'll, she'll have to go to some, a facility. They're trying their best to do for her. She's 89 years old, and, and she has starting with some dementia, and that's really hard. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard enough with physical things, but when the mind is not, oh, yeah. it's double hard. So just keep all them in their prayer and Karen and her husband. Oh, my. They're, they're taking on quite a, quite a task. Yeah. Okay, other things have been uh, announced in the prayer guide. And that would be it, then, the once it, because Karen had, oh, she said and her and Donna wouldn't be here today because she was waiting for a nurse to come today okay. and whatnot. And Donna, her one grandson, was being baptized today, which is wonderful. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they were very happy about that. So that's why they aren't here today. Okay. She asked me to say that.
0: Okay, that's good. Nancy, let me skip over there to you.
1: Just to share that Marge Landon is having a birthday next Sunday. She's not able to be with us physically because of her knees, but I thought she would probably adri- appreciate a birthday card. Marge. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. How old is she going to be, you
1: know? Not, I would say she's in the upper 80s, maybe 90. I don't yeah. really know.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Bill.
2: Yeah, we were able to uh, visit Mary for the first time in, in a year down at the Londonderry Village. Wow. And uh, she gave me a bear hug that I didn't need to see a chiropractor. Readjusted my neck. <laughs> but uh,
3: she's uh, very happy about that, obviously, and so are we. Yeah. And uh, hopefully she's doing, well. she's doing great. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah,
0: That's great. That's great. And we have a birthday girl back here, don't we? Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Any news on mom?
1: Well, we're supposed to have a visit on Thursday. Keep our fingers crossed. We'll have to wear a mask and a shield, but as as of now, we're allowed two people per visit and there's only two visits in a week. So, it don't cover our family too well, but for now we'll take what we can get. So, yeah. Turn, turn,
2: turn. Yep.
0: That's great. That's great. Christine, back to you here.
1: Okay. And I should not have forgot this, but I did until she said about being able or Bill said about Mary that you can visit. Uh, Kathleen Saylor, Maybelle Huntsberger's daughter called me and said that they can visit Maybell. She's in the Royer Greenhouse at Londonderry Village. Okay. She's in there permanently now, and we you can visit. You do have to call of what, when you can go in, you know, and only like one or two people, different times, you know, but she can be visited, okay, So, good. and which is a wonderful thing for these people. Yeah. Oh, my. Just to have that hug, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's great. That's great. So things are loosening up. Oh, Mary Baker. Okay. John?
1: Yesterday, our neighbor um, just right next to us uh, mentioned that his the night before his grandson was in a pretty bad car accident. Um, He's 21 years old. He has two broken legs and some other injuries. I'm not going to remember them all now, and I will be able to get you a name then, Christine but um yeah so just pray i mean he's at the at the hospital and has had some surgeries already and will probably have to have more so wow. it was it was a head-on but it it just the way it happened it happened because of two other cars colliding first and then yeah it's just you, you just never know <laughs> I mean, so yeah, yeah. But just prayers for, for him and for the
2: family yeah.
0: okay Oh, you do. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, I've had uh, the opportunity to go to the the Caribbean islands a number of times, and about half of those trips have included a man by the name of Larry Farman. And Larry Farman's wife... uh, What's her name? Terry, Terry. Uh, died died five weeks ago of uh, of cancer, and uh, this uh, she's fought cancer probably for uh, maybe five years or so. Um, anyway, uh, this past week, uh, and Larry worked at a, a quarry. Uh, really heavy work it's well, probably one of the strongest men I know. Anyway, they found him dead next to his truck up from an apparent heart attack. and uh, so Coventry congregation has lost those two that and very and you know Larry, when you go on a mission trip with somebody, uh, you really sort of get to be close to them in support in prayer support and and doing the bible daily bible studies together and so forth so uh remember the whole they have a bunch of family and and this this is a shock uh, not only to lose mom but to lose dad too so he he was he was probably six years younger than me.
0: All right, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being with us no matter where we go. You're always available. We can talk to you at any time. And you've heard uh, some confessions here this morning, some information that we received concerning deaths and families. Lord, comfort those families providing that they know your son, Jesus Christ, Father. There's no no sadness in where that person is at this moment. So, comfort the families, Lord. And let us take this as a warning, that death has no sympathy, that it could happen at any time. So we should be prepared at all times. And thank you, Lord, for people who are now able to greet their loved ones in their their retirement centers, what a blessing that is. What a loving gesture it is to be able to grab somebody and give them a hug. Somebody that you haven't been able to do that to for years, or at least it feels like years. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And may we continue to be healthy, and may this continue along a healthy way. Lord, thank you for prayers answered. Thank you for individuals who have come around and have been introduced to you and have changed hearts. Lord, thank you. Thank you for doctors and nurses who perform great tasks and great skills provided by you. We pray for accident victims. We pray for that young man with his, his automobile accident. Lord speed his healing, give the doctors wisdom and skill. Thank you. Lord, bless Karen and her family as they take the responsibility of helping their mother. Lord, such a big task, and they need your support. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we think of believers all over the world, especially in Nigeria and Syria, North Korea, China, not only there, Lord, but all over, South America also. We don't understand the oppression, but you say in scripture that this is what will take place. And you are always correct. There's never any waffling on what you say. Thank you, Lord, for your word. But we ask that you gather those people into you, hold them tight. Give them great perseverance, Lord. Let them know that you are with them. Give them the faith, mighty faith that they need. Lord, we, we ask a blessing on this, this nation. We ask for mercy. We ask that you change hearts that we gather together and rejuvenate ourselves and our love for you. Lord, Lead us on the right path. Turn this country to the the proper ways and back to scripture and to your love. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, watch over this congregation as we go forward. Bless us. Give us support. Bless our pastors. And Lord, bless this congregation. We ask this in Jesus' name, our Savior. Our our saving king. Amen. Well, we have an opening hymn to sing. We're very blessed. We have Craig Lickenbo with us, who comes from Little Swatara. And he is going to bring the message this morning. So, Craig, if you're ready... Okay, (laughs) welcome, welcome.
3: I'm feeling very blessed today to be here with you to share this message. In my beliefs, I I believe I was led to be here. Uh, I think the Lord uh, works in everything, and there's a reason that I was called to to come preach to you today. Uh, This is a pretty close to home sermon for me. I always thought there was a lot more about repentance in here, but the story of the prodigal son or the lost son is more of a story of lostness, as I did more and more research on it. I have something here, you know, most of this story is about the father and the father's love for us. But I I did write some things up about the older brother and the younger brother. But I think instead I'm gonna I'm gonna share uh, something personal with you today. How I was both the younger brother and the older brother until I the last couple of years when I really came to the Lord and my heart was changed so let us start with a, a word of prayer first dear Heavenly Father let the words that come out of my mouth be from my heart led by the Holy Spirit for I'm sure I'm here for a reason someone needs to hear the stories Father, just lead me. Lead me to bring glory to your name. All the glory to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason I said about earlier about not being, there is some repentance in the scripture. I think, first of all, I ought to read the scripture to you because... It's a well-known scripture, but there might be some in here that don't really know it. It's from Luke 15:11 to 32. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept across the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. I take this this part of the story that the pigs actually had a better life than he did. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, A hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer wearied, worthy of being called your son please take me on as a hired servant so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming he was filled with love and compassion he ran to his son and he embraced him and kissed him his son said to him father I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son but his father said to the servants quick Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with feasts for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was still in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father was kill- has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because his safe return. The old, older brother was angry and wouldn't go, go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing. You told me to, and in all that time you have never given me even a young goat. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. When he had to celebrate this happy day for your brother, was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. I think I just broke your microphone. <laughs> so anyway, as I read that scripture, it, it came to my mind how I was the youngest Son, 1st I'll go over. Uh, I grew up, I didn't grow up in the Brethren Church. I grew up in the UCC Church. I went through the Sunday school and the catechism, and, and uh, I was baptized as an infant. And I went to, uh, I became a member of the church when I was 12 years old. Mostly I believe I came to be a member because my parents sent me to catechism. Uh, it was just what you did. Me and my grandfather were very close and when I, uh, I lost my grandfather two years after that and I can tell you I had a hole in my heart as big as the world, as far as from the east to the west. And from that point, pretty much, uh, through junior high school and maybe my freshman year, I, I did what Craig wanted to do and it didn't matter who Craig heard and on the way to do it. And then I met this young lady right here and we were high school sweethearts and uh, she sort of changed my life. She grew up in the Brethren Church. We still go to that church at Little Swatara. Forty-one years later, we're we're still married and still together. Uh, so I started getting active in, in Little Swatara, and I got baptized, rebaptized there in uh, in '93. My uh, oldest son would have been fifteen years old there. It wasn't long after I got baptized, I started thinking, I always do all right when I follow the Lord and let the Lord lead me. But after a while, you start thinking, "Eh, you know, I got this. I can do this. And the old Craig starts taking back over. And I said to her, uh, it was probably late December right after Christmas, maybe early January, and She asked me what was wrong. Things weren't going real well. And I told her I didn't believe in God no more. Well, it wasn't long my world started. And the tailspin. My oldest boy was spending his 16th birthday in a drug rehab. Next to my grandfather and my wife, my kids come dear to heart. Uh, And I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible at this time yet. I still don't. I'm learning. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm Better than where I was. And uh, I got, uh, got to the point where Pastor Jeff Cott was our pastor at the time. He was our pastor for a long time. And uh, I called him and we talked about my son and stuff. And I came home from work, I worked at Clover Farms Dairy at the time. Like I said, I didn't know nothing about the Bible, but I had a premonition at work and it told me about someone in the Bible that took his son in the mountain to, uh, to sacrifice his son. And I came home and I I said to Jenny, you know, uh, this is what was brought to my heart, my mind, I said. At work today, and she said, "Well, that's the story of Abraham." So I read the the story of Abraham, and at that point, I said to my to the Lord, "I said, I do believe in you. I'm sorry, I doubted you. I said, I you handle this. I, I just sort of left him handle it." My son came out of rehab and stuff, and he has relapsed a couple times. He still hasn't come to know the Lord, but as far as I know, he he's not. As far as I know, he's he's not using uh, to this day, but he he has had some relapses in between. But then I was in in Florida a couple years ago. I we I wandered in Florida the last few years. I didn't go this year as part of my commitment to uh, to schooling and and becoming. I am a licensed minister, but I'm not ordained yet. And. Uh, this is sort of where I crossed over and became the other side. I became the, the son that, that believed in God, and I'd go to church with Jenny on a Sunday, but not every Sunday. I'd carry a Bible to church, but I'd take it home when we left home, and I wouldn't think of church again until the following Sunday. And... Uh, It, it just, I don't know, I, I, was that, I was that person that thought they were saved, but I don't really think I was now that I think about it. Uh, when you repent, you, you, your heart changes. Uh, you go from a hardened heart, and that's what the, the older son has. He has a hardened heart. In heart. He, uh, he's there with the father all the time, but he's, he's as guilty or guiltier than the younger son was uh, because he feel an entitlement. Uh, when he if you take notice in the scripture he said to the father when your son came back or your son he didn't say my brother you know i, I there's a lot of that i think that goes on uh in church we, you know we we don't think of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes we do in here but when we get out there we're we're gossipers or or you know I just did a, a paper on the Brethren history, and I wrote about the, the uh, split in the 1800s and the split that we're going through today. And I think a lot of it is because of our unity. And there really wasn't a unity with this older brother and God. Uh, but I was uh, in Florida, like I was saying, and uh, the older brother... I would go to church with her, but I really wasn't there. And uh, I didn't find out this until after I had my calling uh, to ministry. I was fishing on, I, I'd go fishing down to the dock every night, every evening. And I went down there, it was a Saturday evening, and there was other people around. They were having a campfire at the, on, right on land at the lake, and I don't think I ever fished that night. If I did, I I don't remember. I just sort of remember falling to my knees. I don't know. I think the Holy Spirit came across me. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. And I, I just started confessing and repenting. And, and I, I know some of my final words were, father, I'm sorry. I disobeyed again. And, and, uh, Please be Lord of my life, and you follow, and I will follow you anywhere. I'm willing to give up whatever it takes, and I've been pretty, uh, pretty vigilant in that. Uh, right now, we're contemplating on uh, selling our house so we can further serve the Lord. Uh, I'm a big hunter and fisherman, and I have all kinds of trophies hanging around the house, and and. Worldly things, but uh, this my, my last thing with the Lord when he brought me to my knees and he really changed my heart, uh, I, I live for the Lord now and not for the world. And that's what we're called to do as, as Christians. And uh, so this is very special to me. The, the main sermon here is, is called God's Love for Me. And and that's where I would like to start. But that's just sort of my history. And, uh, yep, I'm going I'm going, and I have a strong, uh, strong calling to be a minister. And, uh, I'm willing to give up whatever it takes. The Lord is number one in my life now. Uh, even above my grandfather and my kids and my wife. And, and, uh. She, she says it's really no big deal. She said she's always been number two because I always made Nonding number one, she said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, excuse me for the tears I had and I got choked up and stuff, but it, it's it's very from the heart. And I, I like I said, I had two other pages up here that I was going to read to you, but the Spirit led me to, to tell you my story. So let's start, though, with, uh, with the, the God that loves me, because this was my main sermon for the day. You see, it is impossible to comprehend how much God loves us, like the way he has created the sun and the rain that provides many of, the, many of our needs, all our food, our, and the trees and stuff for oxygen, oxygen to breathe, every breath that, that uh, I take, I, I feel, comes from God. The way he gave us his only begotten son to, to redeem all our sins. But this story of the prodigal son, we see the intimate human ways God the Father loves us, ways that he, he as a human can understand and relate. the way a father loves a child. When we review this parable, we see the three ways that the father shows his love for his son. First of all, and this was a hard one, a hard one for me when I had to let my son go and let God take over, but he lets the son go. It was customary in them days for the older son not only to receive the double portion of his father's inheritance, but he was also to be the first one to get it. It was also customary to wait until your father died, and the younger son didn't do that. He more or less was saying to his dad, hey, I'm interested in your money. I don't really care about you. You're dead to me. It's basically in that that day is what he was saying. We see that the father, without a word, hands him his portion. He lets him go, no strings attached. When the son was old enough to make his own decision, the father let him make it even if he was foolish he loved him enough to let him go God our father is like that he lets us go we are free to disobey him if we want to we can reject and abandon the church if we wish to we can ignore all the wise counsel of his word and prompting of the Holy Spirit and we can go our own way If that's what we choose, some think that God should stop us. They think this would be love. But you see, if it wasn't for the free will he gives us, we would just be like puppets on a string. God loves man enough. God loves man enough to allow him to be free. He loves man enough to risk rejection in order to gain true faithfulness and in return God loves enough to deny himself and allows his children to choose the way they live and live the way they choose. But like the father in the parable God's love doesn't end with a goodbye. If God's end ended with a goodbye I would be Nowhere close to where I am today. He waits for a return. When he lets us go, he waits for us to return to him. He doesn't chase us. He didn't chase me down. And that's why another reason I said about this ain't so much about repentance. When the the son sort of repented when he was in the pig pen there, That, that was when he hit his low but God didn't swoop down and pull him out of the pigsty. He made the son come to him. In the parable, it says that the father saw his son returning from a long way off. He didn't have to to He didn't have the locks changed as soon as the son left. He was expectant and made himself available at the first glimpse of the son's return. Excuse me. God loves us that way, the same way. He waits expectantly for our return. Let's face it, you can't hide from God. He knows exactly where we are. I don't care if you hide in the darkest place. He knows where you are, and he's he's right there by your side. He's right there sitting with you today. He makes himself visible all the while. Everywhere there's a sign of God and presence and his love, if we only can see it. The problem was I couldn't see it. The Bible speaks of God's love and provides assurance and guidance for a good life here and an eternal life with God in heaven. These are all signs of God's love, a reminder of concern for us, no matter where we go, no matter how far we travel away from him. God's love is like this, that while we sin, while we ignore him, While we harm ourselves, while we mock him all the way he has done to show his love, he waits anxiously to see us from from far off, a far-off return to him. And when we do, God displays the greatest show of love. He restores us. It's one thing to take back a wayward child. It's quite another to restore a wayward child. What the son wanted was to be taken back. To earn his keep through proper and expected behavior. It's what he deserved. It's better than he deserved. With Jesus dying on the cross, taking our sins, that's better than we deserved. What? What his fa- yeah. What his father gave him was restoration and mercy. The father's gifts show how the son was restored. He gave him the best robe, which signified his position. The ring is a sign of sonship, belonging. The father took him back as his son. The sandals signified that he was not a slave, for slaves went barefoot. The fat calf was a celebration, and it was a precious gift as well. The father restored his son back to his sonship again with all its rights and privileges. He even defended him against his older brother who was jealous of his father's goodness and mercy. Well, God our father in heaven is that type of father. When we return to him, he doesn't give us what we deserve or what we earn. He restores us completely as his son or daughter. This parable teaches many practical lessons for parents. The purpose of our work with our children is to eventually let them, let them be what they choose to be, even when that doesn't match with what we want them to be. Let me reframe that. I know there's not a lot of children here, but I think this works as far as brothers and sisters too. The purpose of our work with our children or our brothers and sisters I'm going to say is to eventually let them be what they choose to be even when that doesn't match what we want them to be. We can look, we can let go, but we mustn't give up. Parents don't just say I told you so. They say I love you so and so should brothers and sisters. It also demonstrates very real way that God deals with us, his children, by showing us love and patience. The prodigal son finally came home, the arms of a loving father. This is the essence and the beauty of this parable. It is relevant in every place and every time where parents wait patiently for the repentance of their children or the turnaround of the prodigal son or daughter. How about you? Have you gone far away, your heavenly father? No matter how far, no matter how bad, you can always come home to the arms of the loving heavenly father. He has your robe of righteousness waiting for you and your ring of son or daughtership, your sandals of peace and freedom. Won't you come back to the father this morning? I would, I would like to say that that uh, in my walk, I I've been both these boys. But no matter what I did, or how long I did it, or how long I stayed away, or he never gave up on me. There was always a nudge every couple years, every thing. And I, I've been running away from my ministry calling actually started back with Pastor Cop. And as I went through that and the addiction with my son, uh, he mentioned to me numerous times in our counseling sessions how we ought to explore more. I believe you're being led towards the ministry people would come up to me throughout my, my life from that point, and they'd say, there's something different about you. You've changed. You did this. You did that. I feel real spirit about you. And them should have all been signs that I was being called to the Lord. It would have been a lot easier to go back to school and become a minister when I was 30-something than it is now at 60 or 58 when I started. Uh, it's it's a long road, but the same and, and how I can relate to that is because the same thing happened this time. Uh, but this time I could see the change and uh, probably the biggest thing that opened to me was when my son came up to me and told me how I changed and how my heart has changed and it's loving. Uh, I'm not one to be very, uh, to be politically correct. I, I'm very soft-spoken and I hate confrontation but when I get to that point I can tell you exactly what I'm thinking whether it's nice or not. Uh, it's not something I'm proud of but it is something that he has helped me to work through. But I can tell you the love that's in my heart now for even you, the people I don't really know, it, it's amazing. I, I think and I believe that if we could... It, it tells us that the Father's love is as far as it is from the east to the west. There is no end from the east to the west. If you start heading east, you'll head east forever. If you go north to south, as soon as you cross past the North Pole, you're headed south. And when you come down around, you're headed, you're headed north again when you pass the South Pole. There is no end. It's eternal. It's eternal. And my goal is now, not only for me to live an eternal life, but for the people God calls to be my brother and sister, help them find eternity too. In Jesus' name, amen.